0: If you have a Bible, either a printed copy like I have, or you have a digital copy on your phone, let me encourage you to hold it up and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. Is God's word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error first matter. It is the supreme source of truth truth. for what we believe believe. and how we live. live. Now open up your copy of God's Word with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I was blessed to be in the delivery room for all four of our children. And I can honestly say that experiencing the the birth of of our children was one of the greatest joys of my life. I would not trade it for anything in the world, and though each of the births were similar in many ways, each of the births were different. John was our our firstborn, and with John, everything was new. And, and even though we had taken the Lama's classes and I had read read the books, I was not prepared for what was going to happen. Like, for instance, um, uh, Sherry's doctor put her in the hospital and was monitoring her. For a while, and she was there in the bed in her jeans and just relaxing. And all of a sudden, her water broke, and I was not ready for it. I mean, I I did not know what had happened. I just knew that there was a flood, and and I did not know what to do. And, and when John was finally born, I took him from the doctor. I lifted it up over my head and I gave him back. God with Mary everything was quick it was fast we we went to the hospital and Sherry was checked the, the nurse and the doctor said it would be hours later and then something happened and and the delivery began right then and, and what had happened was the cord was was very short and it was wrapped around Mary's neck And when she was born, we did not know whether she was going to live or not. And it was a very long few minutes. But when we finally realized that she was okay and she was going to be okay, we just took some time and just thanked God for His grace, for His mercy. Now, Josh was our first Florida baby. He was born about six weeks after Sherry and and Mary and John joined me in florida and and sherry had an epidural to help with the delivery but as soon as she had the epidural her labor pains intensified and josh was born within what within minutes after she had the epidural so the epidural did no good so she decided however many other babies we have we're not even going to have the epidural it doesn't do any good And so Matthew came, and when Matthew came, it was a family affair. John was in there, and Mary was in there, and and little Josh was in there. When Matthew was born, I asked John, do you want to cut the cord? And he went, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, And Mary, she didn't want to cut the cord. and, And I turned to Josh and said, do you want to cut the cord? He said, I'll cut the cord. And he cut the cord. And I think that's what's the matter with Matthew today. But every one of them was different, but they were very similar. About two months after they were born, we received in the mail their birth certificate. This is a copy of Matthew's birth certificate. Now, a birth certificate gives proof that you're born. Like, you know, you need that proof. But it gives proof that you're born. It, It tells people where you were born. It tells people when you were born. It tells people who your parents are. But that birth certificate also gives you legal rights. It gives you legal rights to Social Security. It gives you legal rights to a driver's license, to a marriage license. Later on, it gives you the rights to Medicare and and Medicaid. That birth certificate gives a child the legal rights to all of the rights that they're privileged to have as a citizen of the United States. So a birth certificate is important. But this morning, I want to talk to you about another birth certificate that's more important than that birth certificate, and that is your spiritual birth certificate. Because the Bible makes it clear that if we don't have a spiritual birth certificate, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, if we don't have a spiritual birth certificate, the Bible makes it clear that we are doomed to an eternity in hell. Now today, we're, we're starting our second part of the, the Gospel of John. The first part we looked at were names or pictures that, that reveal Jesus' nature. And we looked at these names that we discover in the Gospel of John. But today, as we begin the second part, I want us to look at encounters that Jesus had with different people that revealed to us Jesus' heart, what Jesus was really like, what was important, to Jesus, And the very first encounter, the one we're going to look at today, was with, was with Nicodemus. And so if your Bibles are open to John chapter 3, I want you to follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. This is what God's Word says. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to G- speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How, how can an old man go back and, to his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Death says you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can not explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible Nicodemus asked Jesus replied you are a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things I assure you we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things no one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the son of man has come down from heaven And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, But to save the world through him, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Then I want you to go back with me to verse 3. And I want you to say verse 3 with me. Unless you are born again, say that. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's say it again. Unless you are born again, you, are born again you, cannot you cannot see the kingdom of God. I want you to hear me. That is one of the most important verses in the entire word of God. God is saying to you that unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless your family members are born again they cannot enter the kingdom of God unless your neighbors are born again they cannot enter the kingdom of God the only way that you and I can be a part of God's kingdom is to be born again now this is the first time that we read about Nicodemus in the gospel of John but it's not the last time In John chapter 7, we we read about Nicodemus defending Jesus before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And in John chapter 19, we read about Nicodemus anointing the body of Jesus, preparing his body because he has died. But this encounter that we read about in John chapter 3, I believe, was the beginning of a life-changing event in Nicodemus's life. But as we look at this passage, I want us to first ask ourselves, who was this man, Nicodemus? The Bible tells us that he was a Pharisee, a a member of the Jewish ruling council. Nicodemus was, was influential. He was religious. He was moral. He was one of the most influential men of his day. Tradition tells us that he was one of the three most richest men in Jerusalem. As a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, he was a member of the Jewish Supreme Court. These men made up the decisions that dictated life for all the Jewish people. He would have been a pillar of the community, a powerful man. He was so powerful. He was so influential that when Nicodemus spoke, people listened to him. They knew that what he had to say was important. So he was an influential man. But he was also a religious man. He was a Pharisee. There were only 70 members of the Sanhedrin. There were only 6,000 members of the Pharisees. These men were known as the separated ones. They were the most religious men of their day. They were deeply devoted To their faith. As Pharisees, they believed that the scriptures were the literal word of God. But Nicodemus not only gave lip service to the word of God, he put what he read into practice. He practiced regular times of prayer, he practiced tithing and and giving his money to the poor, he worshiped every single Sabbath. But unlike many of the other Pharisees Nicodemus was not self-righteous he was not judgmental if ever there was a man who practiced his faith it would have been Nicodemus he was influential he was religious but he was also moral there were no skeletons in his closet his conduct was unquestionable his behavior was above reproach and yet there was something missing in his life I don't believe that Nicodemus could put his finger on it, but he knew that something was missing. He's like many people today, people who have worked hard to build a good reputation, people who who strive to be involved in church, people who, who live a moral life. And yet, deep down inside, with all of the things they have done, they know that something is wrong, something is missing in their life. And I believe that was Nicodemus. He was influential, he was religious, he was moral. And yet, deep down inside, he knew that something was missing. And so we see this meeting. In verse 2, it says, he came to Jesus. Now, understand if heaven could be earned by one's accomplishments, I believe with all my heart Nicodemus would have made it into heaven with some left over. And yet, he realized that something was wrong, something was missing. I think that he knew that he wasn't going to make it, so he began his search and you need to understand that for each and every one of us if we want to understand what is missing in our life it begins with a search a search for truth a search for god and that's what nicodemus was on he was on a search to try to discover the truth you see even though he was influential even though he was religious even though he was moral he knew that was a something Was missing, And so he began looking for that truth. And that truth led him to Jesus. And I want you to know today that if you're willing to look for truth and you come to Jesus, you will find the answers that you're looking for. You will find peace of mind and you will find peace of heart. You will find joy that is unspeakable. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Later on, Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not reject. Anyone and everyone who comes to Jesus will be received by Jesus. But Jesus told many of the religious leaders, you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the only way that you and I can ever experience life, true life, is to come to Jesus like Nicodemus did. So Nicodemus came to Jesus. Now notice the moment that he came. The Bible says he came to Jesus at night. Have you ever wondered why he came to Jesus at night? Some people say that he came to Jesus at night because he was afraid. He was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the the ruling um, body of the Jews. And and some say that he was afraid. He was afraid of what people would think if, if he, this religious man, was seen with Jesus. Maybe he was afraid of his peers and what they would do. Some people say that he was afraid. Some people say that he wanted to meet with Jesus alone. And and meeting with Jesus at night was the only time that he could meet with him alone. Because Jesus was always um, um, covered by people who wanted Jesus to meet the needs of their life. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. So maybe it was coming to him at night because that was the only time he could be alone. There's some today who say, well, my religion, my, my relationship with God is a private thing. No one else needs to know about it. But that's not true. The Bible says that our relationship with God starts as a private thing. It's something that we must do, but it becomes very quickly a public thing. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Some say that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because night referred to his sin, the darkness That he was in. And certainly we know that that each and every one of us are caught up in the darkness of sin. And we talked about that when we saw that Jesus is the light of the world, and whoever comes to Jesus will never have to walk in darkness anymore. And just like Nicodemus, we're all caught up in the darkness of sin. But I want you to think of something else when we think about Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. When the night comes, the day is almost over. It's almost time for a new day. And when the day is over, you can never repeat that day. Have you ever stopped to think how quick time is flying? I mean, it seems like yesterday, I don't know for Sherry, it may seem like a hundred years, but it seems like just yesterday that we got married, just a couple of years at most. And yet, We've been married for 39 years. The Bible says life is but a vapor. What that means is it flies by. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. Are there some things in your life that you've wanted to do but you didn't do? And now the opportunity to do those things have passed you by? I mean, I imagine if we think about it, each and every one of us have some things in our life that we wanted to do, but we didn't do, and now it's too late to do those things. Rosa Verde was 90 years old when she died. She lived in the United States for 70 years. At 90 years of age, she decided she wanted to be a United States citizen. She took the class. She was ready to get sworn in. But one day before the swearing in She died. She decided to become a citizen one day too late. I want you to listen to me. I think that happens for people when it comes to the kingdom of God. I think there are people that say, One day, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. One day, I want to surrender to Jesus. One day, I want to be born again. But not today. One day, but not today. But what we need to understand is that salvation isn't just on our timetable. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. What that implies is we're to seek the Lord while he may be found. There may come a day where he can't be found. If we're to call upon the Lord while he is near, at least from our perspective, there may be a time when he is no longer near. So maybe Nicodemus was coming to Jesus in the nick of time, just before it was too late. But when he came to Jesus, I want you to notice a misunderstanding. Nicodemus said, Jesus, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Nicodemus knew something about Jesus he knew that he was a good man he knew that he was a teacher he knew that he was a miracle worker but he did not know Jesus and I'm afraid that that's the American tragedy today America is filled with people that know things about Jesus but they don't know Jesus there are a lot of people that know Jesus as a good man there are a lot of people that know Jesus was a miracle worker a lot of people know Jesus was sent from God but Jesus is much more than that Jesus is God in the flesh Jesus is the savior of the world so here's the situation this good man this religious man comes to Jesus but he still doesn't know Jesus now here's what I want you to know Just like Nicodemus, every single person, every one of us has a God-shaped void in our lives. Every one of us. And that void cannot be filled by anything that this world offers. And there are some of you who have tried. I mean, you've tried to fill this void, this emptiness in your life through relationships, through success, through money through experiences you've tried all kind of things to fill this emptiness but at the end of the day you're still empty and the reason is all of the things of this world will never fill the void in your life only God can do that and so nicodemus came to jesus because he knew that something was missing good teacher we know that you're from God because nobody can do the things you're doing except God be with him. But notice what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, thank you, Nicodemus. Jesus didn't say, why do you say that? Jesus didn't enter into a conversation with him. Jesus cut to the chase and said, unless you were born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say anything. He just cut to the chase and said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Another translation says no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus knew, or Jesus knew, the need of Nicodemus. And he knows the need of each and every one of us. You may be here this morning and, and you're hurting on the inside. You're lonely. You're addicted. You're, you're, you're filled with all sorts of feelings. You've tried your best and yet you realize your best is not enough and you don't know what to do. And to you, Jesus would say, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Listen, everyone, everyone needs to be Born again, to be completely changed, to be given a fresh start. When Paul was speaking of this new birth, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In the book of Ezekiel, God said, I will give you a new heart And a new spirit. Did you hear that? God said, I'm going to give you a brand new heart. I'm going to give you a brand new spirit. Now, why do we need that? The reason we need that, a new birth, a new heart, a new spirit, is because we are sinful through and through. And our best efforts of of trying to straighten up is never going to be good enough. You see, our problem is we we see our failures, we see our flaws, we see our faults, and and we say things like this, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to make amends, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make some restitutions this year, I, I'm going to make some new resolutions, and, and so we try harder, but, but no matter how hard we try, it's just not good enough, and the reason is, is our best efforts are never going to be good enough, and, and so Jesus said, you need to be born again, and, and this wasn't just a A thought, this was a command. Jesus said, you must be born again three times. Three times in this passage. Now, I've heard people say before, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. Have you ever heard someone say that? Well, I've got news for you. That's the only kind of Christian. There's no other kind of Christian other than a born-again Christian. What people mean when they say, I'm not a born-again Christian is, well, I know about Jesus. I've prayed a prayer. I've got dunked in a pool. I've got sprinkled by water. I've done some things, but I've never been changed from the inside out. Understand, you're not saved because of some decision you make. Did you hear me? You're not saved because of some decision that you make. You're saved when the Holy Spirit of God makes you brand new. Salvation is a work of God salvation is not a work of the flesh that's why Jesus said you must be born again now there are two Greek words for that word again the first word means to repeat an act to redo something we've already done before but the word Jesus uses here means from above from a higher place from God you see what Jesus was saying is you need to be born from above you need to be born from God and Nicodemus was confused. He said, how can can that happen? How how can a a man enter into his mother's womb and and be born a second time, be given a fresh start? So Jesus gives him an answer. In in verse 6, he says, humans reproduce human life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Now, I like another translation better. It's simple and to the point. It says, flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit... Gives birth to Spirit. Now now in these verses, this verse and following, Jesus gives us two pictures of uh, of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The, The first picture is birth. You see, physical birth makes us a part of the physical realm, physical life. We are a part of a physical family. But we have to have a spiritual birth to be a part of a spiritual family, to be a part of the spiritual world you see when we're born physically we don't choose when we're born we don't choose where we're born we don't choose who our parents are those things are already chose for us and when we're born we don't do any of the work ask your mama she did all the work and the same thing is true when we're saved you know people say I'm going to get saved when I want to no no No, you'll get saved when God wants you to. God is the one who saves. He's the one who draws. Spiritual birth is a work of God. And then Jesus gives us a picture of the wind. He tells us the Holy Spirit is much like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can feel the wind blowing on your face you can see the effects of the wind as you look at trees blowing in the wind probably most of us this week saw some images from fort myers naples sanibel island the destruction that took place because of the power of the wind 150 mile an hour winds you couldn't see that wind But boy, did they feel the effects of that wind. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, the effects of the Holy Spirit in their life are evident. Just as it is obvious when a person is born physically, it is obvious when a person is born spiritually. I want you to hear my heart. You can't be born again and not know it. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life and saves you, it is a life-changing event. It's as if you're becoming brand new. It's as if your desires are being transformed from the inside out. You see, our problem is We hold on to religion which tries to change us from the outside in. It doesn't work that way. We have to be born again and we're born again when the Holy Spirit comes into us and changes us from the inside out. And then Jesus gives Nicodemus an explanation of of how this happens. He makes it clear that that the spiritual birth, the new birth is a result of the Holy Spirit doing a work in your life, but then he tells us, how that takes place, how it begins, and, and, and the process. He first of all tells us of God's part. In, in John 3, verse 14, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Do you remember that story? It's found in Numbers 21. The children of Israel had disobeyed God, and God got anger with them to the point that he flooded the land with venomous snakes, And anyone who was bitten by the snake died. So thousands and thousands of people were dying. But God finally had mercy on the people. And he told Moses to build a bronze serpent. And to put that bronze serpent on a pole. And lift it up so that everyone in the wilderness, in Israel, in the camp, could see the bronze serpent on the pole. And anyone who looked to the bronze serpent, whether they were bitten already or not bitten, if they looked to the bronze serpent, they were saved. They didn't die. And God is saying here, Jesus is saying, just as God lifted up a bronze serpent that the people could look to to be saved in the Old Testament, there is one that is going to be lifted up on a pole so that all men can be saved. And that's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was lifted up on a cross so that you and I could be saved. You see, God did his part to save us. Our sins, my sins, your sins were placed on Jesus when he was on that cross. And when we look to him, we're saved. But that takes us to our part. Verse 15 says, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And I'm sure you know verse 16. It's one of the most well-known known, um, verses in the Bible, one of the most well-known um, words in, in, in humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so God tells us that what we have to do in response to what God did is we have to believe. Now that word believe means to trust. It means we're placing our trust in Jesus. It means to surrender. Surrender our lives to Him. Now can I say something to you? It's hard to trust. You can tell me that trust is an easy thing to do. It's not. Trust is hard. And surrender is Is even harder. But if we're going to be saved, we're going to have to trust that Jesus did everything that needed to be done for us to be saved. And we have to surrender our lives to his control from here on out. And when we do that, his spirit comes to live in us and we are saved. We are reborn. We are changed from the inside out. And don't ask me to explain it, because Jesus said it's not explainable. It's like the wind. You see its effects, but you don't know where it's coming from, where it's going. And that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You will never be able to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in your life this side of eternity. But I'm here to tell you that when you acknowledge your need, your sin, and you trust Jesus to save you and you surrender your life his control his spirit comes in you and begins to change you from the inside out and you are born again but there's a warning that this ends with that's wonderful news God's done everything that we need to do to be saved if we place our trust in him surrender our lives to him through the power of his Holy Spirit, he will give us a new birth. He will change us from the inside out. But Jesus doesn't close with that. He closes with a warning. Listen to verse 18. Anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged, already been condemned for not believing in God's one and only Son. You see, people don't go to hell because of their sin. People go to hell Because they reject Jesus who could forgive us for all of our sins. Your sins don't send you to hell. It's only your rejection of Jesus that will send you to hell. And when you receive him, you're born again. And so I want to ask you a question. And I want you to be honest, not with me, but I want you to be honest with yourself with God have you been born again can you say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's been a point in your life where God's spirit came to live in you and make you a brand new person you were changed your desires were changed you wanted to live for Jesus you wanted to follow Jesus for me I can go to the moment that that happened. My life was changed. Now understand, from that moment to this moment, I haven't been perfect. Man, I've had some terrible mess-ups. I've had periods of my life where I wish I could do them over. But at that point in my life, Jesus changed me. He saved me. He made me new. He gave me brand new desires. I wanted to live for Jesus. And though there were times that I didn't and there were times that I lived in in misery because I knew that I was failing the one who died for me, Jesus saved me. I was born again. He changed me from the inside out at that point in time. So have you been born again? Oh, listen to me. Don't leave here today if you haven't been born again. Don't wait until another day if you need to be born again. Today is your day. You're here by divine design. God has you here because he wants to do a work in your life. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you a brand new start. And so if you've never been born again, please, today, here and now, humble yourself. Ask Jesus to save you. Let him save you. Let him change your life. Today is your day. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes with me. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here and you know deep down inside, and see, I believe with all my heart that there are some of you here right now the Holy Spirit is nugging, tugging at your heart, nudging you, letting you know that you need to do what I'm talking about. You know it deep down in your heart. And yet on the other side, there are, there's something going on inside telling you to not do it, that you've already done it, that you've already been saved, that you already are a Christian. And I'm here to tell you, that if right here, right now, and you're wondering, have I been saved? Have I really given my life to Jesus? Chances are you haven't. And today, Jesus is calling you to be a part of his family. And so if that's where you're at, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with a humble heart to him right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you admitting I'm a sinner. I've done my best. I've tried hard. But I know it's not good enough. I need you. Jesus, I know you came to this earth. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I know you rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. Today I'm asking you to save me. I'm trusting you to save me. I'm surrendering my life to you. All of it. Every single part of who I am. I'm yours. Jesus, from this moment on, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new today. Thank you for hearing my prayer.